because screws become stressed and they become strained. That may be one of the reasons why it's, why it's come loose. <clears throat> and if you retighten a strange screw, you can, you can cause it to break, then you're in trouble because you may not be able to mm -hmm. retrieve it from the implant head. Welcome to Group Function, where the Pro True Serrati work together to find good solutions to worthy problems in dentistry with your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Petrusarati. I'm Jazz Galati, and welcome back to this second part of the group function. So we split it into two. On the first group function, if you haven't listened to it already, it was, can I probe that implant? Is it cool to probe around implants? Because there was a myth that you may scratch the implant. So is there any truth to that? Uh, should we be concerned? That's all covered in part one. In this part two, we've got Dr. Pavkara. We're talking about what is the normal amount of bone loss around an implant. So when I am uh, reviewing patients who had implants placed elsewhere, potentially, and I take a periapical and it's been five years since they had their implant, am I expecting bone loss? Uh, at what point do I get concerned and what point should I refer? So we're gonna find that out. And another very interesting controversial issue is how do you as a GDP manage a screw loosening? So if the implant crown is loose, is it cool for us to be going in and tightening it? Uh, what about if you don't have the right equipment? Or um, how do you even identify which system it is? You have to stock every single driver there is. The very real world question there, uh, and I think Pav does great justice. So let's hear it from Pav and I'll catch you in the outro. When you see a radiograph of an implant, let's say a periapical, uh, and I, I don't know when this implant was done, I can ask the patient, the patient's like, a uh, long time ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, they'll give me a, a vague answer, but anyway. Am I expecting ever, is it acceptable to have threads exposed supracrestal, i.e. Um, all the threads are not in the bone, some of the threads are outside the bone. Is this um, acceptable? And, and, and B, what amount of bone loss is normal? Because I, I understand that after you place an implant, after about a year, you expect to lose some. In court, in court, you know, you're probably going to say, yes, but I do all this uh, uh, crazy voodoo magic that they don't lose any bone. But for the average uh, <laughs> implant, uh, what is normal in terms of bone loss? So historically, what, what's been considered uh, acceptable is, as a rule of thumb, bone loss down to the first thread then about 0.2 millimeters per year. Uh, as you quite rightly said, that is, is the, the modern techniques and the modern concepts we really shouldn't be seeing anything at all. But you know what? I see loads of patients where they come in uh, to see me where they've had implants placed 20 years ago. Okay, and I think I think the issue is is in the absence in the absence of any inflammatory responses like what we've discussed about before. There's no bleeding, there's no suppuration, the implant's been there 20 years. If you've got a 15, 18 millimeter long implant, or you've got three millimeters of, of threads exposed, I'm really not bothered about it, okay? If an mm -hmm. implant was placed last year and I've got three millimeters of, of threads exposed, all of a sudden I am bothered about it. So I think it very much, very much depends on the case. Um, and with regards to how many threads are acceptable to be supracrestal, again, that depends on the implant, okay? Because some implants like the Southern that I use, the top three or four threads, it's actually a machined surface. So if there are mm -hmm. threads exposed, it's not really, it's not really that, that impactful. It's not really that significant. But if you had an implant such as Nobel, Nobel, they integrate nicely. But if you look at the surface topography of them, it's tiny little caves. So what happens is as soon as that's exposed and you start to get inflammation, it zips down the surface of the implant. So it depends mm -hmm. as to the surface treatment of the implant. As a general rule of thumb, you should see a bone loss down to the, down to the first 
uh, thread in the first year. But even then, I wouldn't be overly happy with that. But I think if you're taking consecutive radiographs and you see everything's nice and stable, then why should we bother and intervent and do something, right? If you're taking PAs once a year and over a five-year period, you, you, you know, if, if in year one you've had two millimeters bone loss and no bone loss since then, it's, it's a stable outcome. But if every single year you're losing one millimeter, half a minute, that's obviously then an issue. We need to intervene and do something. So again, I'm sorry, it's not a, you know, clear cut. But Oh, nothing's clear cut, but that's a useful guideline, Pav. Uh, I really appreciate that because it's a bit like our, our periodontal patients. Age is a factor and in, in obviously age of teeth. Uh, in your case, age of implants, we, we can apply similar uh, logic to that. So that makes uh, perfect sense. And I think that will help uh, the Petrusrati listing and, and the, 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 have you got a word for the Dental Implant Podcast listeners? Have, have, have your, have your uh, listeners, have they got like a, a fan word? I've I, I I've used I've used the term titani nerds a few times. <laughs> Say that again, titani nerds. Titani nerds, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I love it. Titanium nerds. Okay, so Petrusarati, Titanium nerds, uh, Titanium nerds. I hope you're getting uh, so, so, some value from that. Uh, I, I imagine the Titanium nerds, are, I just know all of this stuff already, but maybe someone who's interested in implants and so inter- interested in getting into implants, and this might be helpful because they're seeing patients and they're helping to maintain implants, which is what this episode is about. So my last question is now that uh, emergency phone call you get, uh, the nurse says, uh, or the reception says, okay, there's a patient with a loose implant. The first time I had this, um, this is embarrassing, the first time I had this, the DF1 uh, patient came in uh, and the, the, the crown was spinning and in my head I thought wow this is, this is like a grade 3 mobile tooth I don't know I think the implant's spinning so I called my uh, trainer and I said hey um, hey Reg I, th- I think the I think the implants are like uh, fully loose but the, the x-ray looks okay what's going on and he just like took 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 out the, the access cavity restoration just tightened it by a quarter turn and, and that was it and I was like wow that was so easy and then later on when I got to do this uh, one of the implant dentist told me that Jazz you, you know I read your notes you tightened it too tight I'm like, I didn't know. What was, what was I supposed to tighten it to? Because uh, that's what Nobel taught me when I went on a course once. So A, uh, do you think all general dentists should know how to manage this emergency? And B, uh, any guidelines, any helpful things that you can tell us? Uh, is there a standardized number of Newtons that we're tightening to, for example? Is the kit standardized? Do, am, I, am I expected to have all these kits? So this, this, this is a real bugbear and it's a real pain in the backside for me. Because there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of different implant systems out there. They all use different screw heads. They all use different torques. It can be due to a number of different problems. Uh, it could be screw loosening. It could be what's called the titanium base that's come loose. It could be the hex that's threaded. It could be the implant head that's fractured. And it's, you're basically taking a shot in the dark with this type of stuff. Mm. Um, what I would probably recommend to a general dentist who doesn't place implants, the only thing that you should really be looking at doing is, at the most is tightening it finger tight and then sending it to somebody else to deal with. Okay, because I had a patient come out to see me. So what I never do is I never just retighten screws. Always have to order a brand new screw. Okay, so I've had a couple of patients recently come out to see me. The the work's absolutely beautiful. Uh, It's come loose. So what I'll do is I'll hand tighten it. I'll say to them, I've got to order new screws. I'm going to swap the screws over because screws become stressed and they become strained. That may be one of the reasons why it's why it's come loose. And if you retighten a strange screw, you can you can cause it to break, then you're in trouble because you may not be able to mm-hmm. retrieve it from the implant head. So you only want to tighten it uh, to, uh, to finger tightness, and then uh, you, you want to refer it on somebody else to deal with. So the issue that you have is certain systems like 
like Ankylos, they're quite happy to take 15 to 20 Newton centimetres. The southern implants that I use take 40 Newton centimetres. If you get it wrong, you're going to give yourself a problem. So you need to know exactly which system it is. And there are, have been a number of occasions where I haven't known what system it is and I've had to take an educated shot in the dark. And that's all that I can mm-hmm. do. So the answer to that question is, is are you going to see it? Yes, you are. Okay. And I think an, another big aspect uh, and another big problem that, that, that this is caused by is very frequently when dentists get the lab work back from the lab, they'll use the same screw that the lab's been using. They won't mm-hmm. order a new mm-hmm. screw. And I'd, and I'd say historically that's what I used to do because I didn't know any better. But people are like, why should I spend another 40, 50 quid on a new screw and all that when there's one that's here? thing is the lab's been screwing it on and off, on and off, and that screw's strained. It's not, it's not appropriate for use anymore. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. So this is, a, this is something that Riaz and I discussed in our podcast as well, is the lab should order a brand new lab screw and you should get a brand new prosthetic screw for every single case. Not be reusing impression copings. You should not be reusing uh, lab analogs. You should not be reusing healing abutments. Everything should be fresh, brand new for every single case. The other issue that you can have, remember we, we spoke about this uh, this lollipop type appearance on a number of occasions. Yep. So the, another issue that you have is particularly in monocytes is if you've got a narrow implant which has had a small healing abutment on it, and the lab is they're trying to create some sort of contour to the crown quite often the lab will put on a little bit of compression onto the gums to try to give it some sort of um, contour as it's coming out. And what happens is as you're talking it down, let's say you're talking it down to 35 Newton centimeters, that compression's going onto the soft tissue, not onto the actual interface itself. So Mm, you get patients back quite quickly with loose crowns. Yeah, because all that's happening is the soft tissue is getting compressed, but uh, the the screw is not engaging uh, where it should be, right? Yeah, so the, the screw's not fully seated. It's partly seated. And sometimes you get away with it, but a lot of the times you don't. So the, so my protocol is, A, make sure that the crown's completely passive as it's going in. I will then talk my uh, my abutment to whatever talk it is, depending on which implant it is that I'm using. I will then wait 10 minutes, and then I will retalk it. Because retalking after 10 minutes makes sure that everything's really nice and secure. Uh, amazing but I, I think that makes perfect sense but i think the 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 message for someone like me uh, which i took away from that uh is um if in doubt which i'll always be in doubt because i don't know which system was used uh, i'm gonna finger tighten it and send it uh back to the the the, the person if i don't know who, the, who you know what, what brand of implant is and i've got my um implant placing dentist who comes in you know once a week you know they can easily deal with that and 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 i'm sure they'd be grateful that they get an opportunity to properly deal with that um however they would you know like you would so i think finger tightening is something that um a lot of dentists can do and and the drivers uh the universal ones are they as universal as the name suggests no 
No, they're not. They're just called universal drivers, but they're just. Oh my goodness! It, dep- it depends what uh, what extent you want to go to. You can get little kids kits for about three four hundred quid, which you've got loads of different drivers in, and you just try whichever one. So the case that I had today, I knew which implant brand it had, but when it was originally placed, it was over torched, so the head of the screw had stripped. So getting it on and off was really so. Even with the correct driver, getting it on and off was was really difficult. Okay, so you can have you can have 0.9 drivers, you can have 1.2 millimeters drivers, you can have 1.22 millimeter drivers. Strammen have got their own driver. Um, uh, Nobel have got their own driver. Uh, Neodent, they've made their driver similar to Nobel. It's called the Unigrip driver, okay? But Nobel's Unigrip driver and Neodent's Unidriver, they look almost identical, but they don't fit in the same way. If all companies said, we're going to have a standardized universal driver, That'd be one of the best things ever, but it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Just like Apple's not going to switch to, to USB-C and uh, get rid of their white thing in the buggy that you have to buy. Uh, it's just not going to happen, and uh, you can see why. But, uh, mate, that has been so helpful. So we have covered in this episode probing. Can you probe? Yes, you can, but take a look at the radio first because those lollipop ones, uh, good luck. It ain't happening. Uh, threads that are exposed, kind of like perio. Um, you have to, depends on the patient's age or i.e. the implant age, not the patient age, the age of the implant, and that should guide you. Uh, and the loose implant, perhaps consider finger tightening it and sending it back to someone who can deal with it in a more comprehensive manner like you would. Um, so, Petrusrati, I, I know you have found that helpful. Um, Titanium Nerds, I hope you did because you guys are like, you know, you've been following Pav. Pav's taught you so much already. Um, so you know we could have easily gone on for like five hours talking about each minutia you just have so much knowledge in there that I want to extract but please for those uh, people who haven't heard your podcast path tell us uh, remind us how you can listen how you can tune in uh, and what's next on the horizon for your podcast so it's uh, the Dental Implant Podcast on um, Spotify, uh, iTunes and Google Podcasts um, and uh, you know obviously um, inspired by yourself, Jazz. You know, I'm, I've, I've said this before. You know, you're the one that said to me, "Pav, you got a lot of knowledge. You need to get it out there." Um, so it, it, it's aimed at kind of like uh, beginners and those kind of like partway through the implant training pathway. There is stuff on there for more knowledgeable people, but. They, they tend to know a lot of this stuff already. Um, and I just cover so many different topics. I mean, as you said, you know, I, I, I could write a lecture just on screws, uh, which, which mm-hmm. could last two or three hours. I can then write a lecture on how to tighten screws for another two hours. So, you know, it's, it goes into a With lot. all the complications in there and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know how to how to avoid complications, and you know what what we what we should and what we shouldn't be doing, what you know uh, taking apart uh, the, the bad science, etc. So I'm, I just try to, uh, and it, again, I always say, look, it's my perspective. You know, this this is how I do things. This is uh, this is my interpretation of the data. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it. You know, but as you as you know, you know, it's, you can take one topic and you get two people arguing. Both sides of the coin, they're both right, you know, so it's just, but I just want to help uh, people deliver better care for their patients. Uh, this is one of the reasons why, um, you know, I, I, I mentor p- uh, people as well. So when people say, Pav, I want to learn how to place immediate molar implants. It's like, fine, not a problem. Let's show you how to do it and bring your patients to me. This is why we do, um, this is why we do the Evo experience at, at Evo Dental. Well, you just come shadow us for a day, see what we do. 
because before I started at Eva Dental, I thought I was proficient at full arches. But what we do there is just I, I wouldn't do a, a full arch externally because uh, just because of the way that the place is set up. So I'm I'm just I'm, you know I'm very passionate about dental implants and trying to help others uh, be just as passionate and 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 get better outcomes for their patients because you know it goes back to what we were, what what we were discussing today you know is if I can teach dentists how to develop emergence profile properly you're not going to have these issues if I can teach them how to place crowns properly and have soft tissue adhesion to the neck of it we're not going to have these issues in the future so you know it's that, that's that's just my passion that's the reason why I'm doing it basically and and if, if anyone needed one more reason to listen to uh, Pav's podcast uh, he he hired Morgan Freeman to do the intro can you believe it he, he got Morgan Freeman to do the introduction uh, you see, if you haven't listened to it you have to listen to it right now scroll on go on Spotify type in the Dental Impact Podcast listen to the intro you will love it uh, Pav thank you so much for giving you <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for giving me your time really appreciate it thanks for all your mentorship and help and I, and I think everyone I gain so much value I know what to do a little bit more now around those three scenarios which confuse me every time uh, so I'm not going to no longer going to have my head in the sand now um, really appreciate it and hope you have a fantastic weekend there we have it guys hope you enjoyed this group function series it's uh, always a pleasure to do this and Pav was just amazing he answered it really well both parts of him so Pav thank you so much do check out the Dental Implant Podcast if you haven't already and I'll catch you in the next episode guys be sure to join the Protrusive Dental community on Facebook. <laughs>